So here's another example. f of x equals a cube root of x minus 2. And I'm going to call this example 2. Find f inverse of x. And I've mentioned before that I haven't explained the idea of one-to-one yet. That's because we haven't needed it yet. And when it comes up, I will definitely show it to you. But this example, f of x equals a cube root of x minus 2, if I just want to find f inverse, I'm going to do the analytical process. I'm going to write y equals f of x to remind myself that with this original function, f of x just represents the y values, the outputs. Now, I want to interchange x and y. And that's my shorthand for interchange the x value and the y value. So I'm not going to worry about f of x. It gets kind of confusing. That's why I need to call it y instead. So I'm going to say now instead of y, I'm going to place x in there and equals cube root of instead of x now, I have y minus 2. Now I've interchanged x and y just like I would do if I wanted to make the tables or draw graphs of the function and the inverse function. But if I want a formula for the inverse function, that's what they mean if they just say f inverse of x, then I need to get y as a function of x, right? I need an inverse function of x, inverse function of inputs that we call x. And yes, those were previously y values, but they're still being called x because they're inputs of a function. So I need to solve for y, so I have an inverse function of x. Solve for y. Now how do you get y out of a cube root? If you recall, if you want to get y out of a cube root, you undo a cube root by cubing, right? So we're going to take x cubed equals the cube of the cube root of y minus 2. To undo the cube root, we have to cube both sides. So we have x cubed equals y minus 2. The cube and the cube root are inverse functions of each other because if you put the two together, you cube a cube root, you just get what's inside, right? You get what you started with, in a sense. So cubing a cube root undoes the first function. They're inverses. But I also have this minus 2 that throws me off. I can't just say y is x cubed because of this minus 2. But now I can get y by itself by adding 2 to both sides. So the inverse function, y, is x cubed plus 2. And this new y is another name for f inverse of x because it's a function and it's the inverse function of f and the inputs are x values. It also helps to think whatever's in parentheses is an input, right? And an input of an inverse function was previously the output of the previous f, the original function. So you'll see that as it comes up more. So I have f inverse of x equals x cubed plus 2 and That's the inverse of the cube root of x minus 2. Let's think about the shoes and socks example again. The original function, the first thing you did to your input was subtract 2. Then you took the cube root. So now with the inverse function, since the last thing you did was, since the first thing you did, sorry, was to subtract 2, then the last thing you do is to add 2. And since the first thing you, the second thing you did was to cube root, 
the first thing you do here is to cube x. So x cubed first, then add 2. It undoes subtracting 2 first, then taking the cube root of everything. Shall we look at the graphs? First of all, you might recall that y equals x cubed looks something like this. And its cube root inverse function, the cube root of x, looks like that, doesn't it? So if I'm looking for, uh, let's do the inverse function first. It's easier. f inverse of x is x cubed plus 2. That's the cubic function shifted up two units, but I'm going to make it red because it's an inverse, and I tend to use red for my inverse functions. f inverse of x is x cubed plus 2. And f of x would be this cube root function, but because of the minus 2 with the x, you're doing a horizontal shift of two units to the right. So instead of having the point 0, 2, we now have the point 2, 0, don't we? Interchanging the x and y values. And instead of having a cubic function, we have a cube root function. And so it goes like this. And notice the line y equals x making symmetry in between. The the line y equals x is like a mirror that reflects the original function, f of x equals the cube root of x minus 2, and creates the inverse function, f inverse of x equals x cubed plus 2. Notice the opposite of, of subtraction is addition, and the opposite of cube rooting is cubing. Then you just have to get the order right. If you do the process that we did over here with interchanging x and y and then solving for your new y value, you don't have to worry about keeping track of what you did first and what you did second. It takes care of it for you. So that's why that process is very useful. Normally, students don't have problems following the directions, interchange x and y and solve for y, unless the algebra is kind of complicated. The hard part with inverses is keeping track of domain and range, understanding what the graphs do, understanding how to use composition to check them, which is what I'm going to do next, and understanding how to interpret something like f inverse of, say, 3. f inverse of 3. And if we have the f inverse function, we can just plug in 3 for it. 3 cubed is 27, and then I add 2, so it's 29. What that means is the value that we plugged into f and got an output of 3 for was 29. The value that we plugged into f and got an output of 3 was 29. So our input was 29, and that gave us an output of 3 in the original function. f inverse of 3 equals 29 means f of 29 is, what do you think? 3. The output of the inverse is equal to the input of the original function, and the input of the inverse is equal to the output of the original function. 
So we're going to be using this concept when we look at a new function coming up in a few sections. What did we plug into f to get an output of 3? We must have plugged in 29. Let's see. If you take 29 and you input it into f, 29 minus 2 is 27. And what's the cube root of 27? Cube root of 27 is 3. So f of 29 is the cube root of 29 minus 2, which is the cube root of 27, which is 3. So f of 29 is 3, which corresponds to f inverse of 3 equaling 29. We found it two ways. We found it by actually plugging 3 into the formula for f inverse and getting 29. And we also found it by interchanging the x and y values plug in 29 for f, you get, sorry, you plug 29 in for x into f, and you get an output of 3. We'll do it with some more examples. We're also going to now compose these two functions using keeping x in there instead of using numbers. It's actually, the composition is actually, um, I think, more clear using x. To summarize that last thing that we noticed, f of some input a equals b could also be thought of as the point A comma B, right? And B represents F of A. Remember that the Y coordinate is another name for the function after you input the X. So F of A equals B is also what we think of with our point A comma B. F inverse of B is A corresponds to switching the X and Y coordinates. The B now is an input into F inverse. And the output, f inverse of b, equals a, which was the input of the original function. So this notation is often helpful. It also reminds us again that the input of the inverse function was actually an output of the original function, and that the input of the original is actually an output of the inverse. So when I get confused going around in circles, I try to remember that what's in parentheses on the inverse was an output of the original function. And what I'm going to get from an inverse function will represent what I originally inputted or someone else originally inputted into the original function. So looking at the graph, on f of x, f of 29 was 3. Using the formula, 29 minus 2 is 27. The cube root of 27 is 3. So we have the point 3, 29. That, sorry, 29 comma 3. Look at what's in the parentheses of f, and that's your input. And then the output is 3. Did I mention that I go in circles on this? The input is 29. The output of the function is 3. So I could use red here. If I interchange x and y, that point should be on the inverse function's graph. The inverse function we found algebraically to be f inverse of x is x cubed plus 2. So the 3 that was the output of f is now an input into f inverse. And I should get 29, the original input, as the output of the inverse function. So f inverse of 3, if I plug 3 into f inverse, I get 3 cubed is 27. 27 plus 2 is 29. So it works with the formula. It also works by just interchanging the x and y values on the graph.
Now let's use our composition property of inverses to check that we do have the inverse functions algebraically as well. So I have over here, f of x is a cube root of x minus 2, and f inverse of x is x cubed plus 2. So let's start with f of f inverse of x. Doesn't matter which one you start with, but that's the one I wrote first, so that's what I'm going to do first. f function is going to have f inverse plugged into it. And it's like a puzzle, and you want all the pieces to work out. So the f function says take the cube root of your input, subtracting 2 from the input before you take the cube root. So take your input, subtract 2. x cubed plus 2 is my input. You can put it in parentheses if you'd like. Then you're going to subtract 2 from it, and then take the cube root of everything. So f of input says input minus 2, then the cube root of the whole thing. So the input is f inverse x cubed plus 2. I subtract 2, and I have the cube root of x cubed. And what was that about cube roots and cubes? They're inverse operations, so this gives us just x when we're finished. Also, it justifies rational exponents. The exponent inside, um, on the exponent on the x is the numerator, and then whatever your root is, that's in the denominator. 3 over 3 is 1, x to the first. So the cube root of x cubed is x to the first. And it works. The composition of f with its inverse just gives me what I started with, x. If I want to double check the other one, f inverse of x, sorry, f inverse of f of x, my input for f inverse now is going to be all this that we call f of x. So I'm going to take f of x, that's my new input into the inverse function. The inverse function says take your input and cube it, then add 2. F inverse says cube your input, then add 2. So I took my input, which was f of x, and I cube it first, then I add 2. And it should work, right? The cube of a cube root is just what's inside. And then when you add 2 back again, you get x. So they truly are inverse functions. And when we compose f with f inverse and f inverse with f, Our result is always the same. It's our original input, x.